Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Hello, my name's Trevor Cooper, and I play Len in this country, and you should be listening to the What the Actual Fuck podcast. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers and welcome to WTAF of this country podcast. We are back with another Top Trumps episode and I'm here first of all with Neil. Watcher. <laughs> are you all right, Pat? <laughs> right. Eight years, eight years of podcasting. I've never heard you say that before. Well, you know, try something new every week. We'll get another uh, T-shirt out of it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we are joined. Well, this episode, we are going to be doing uh, Dan Walker's. Uh, oh, Christ, I've done it again. I've mixed up the names. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ, we've doing Dan Greaves card which means of course ladies and gentlemen please welcome jimmy walker you're all right you're big how you doing <laughs> we're doing all right very well oh, lovely to see you boys lovely it's, to see you. it is great to see you again uh mate and um well how you been how's things been, going been very well i've been doing as well as everyone else in in this mad lockdown that we've got going on um i'm living in ireland at the moment um with my better half so we're not quite as lenient as you are over in the UK because you lot can go to the pubs now, can't you? Which is all over. Apparently I really so. <laughs> um, so we're not, we we can't do anything like that though. But we we are allowed to look people in the eye now, which is <laughs> that's so. Uh, so that's sometimes it. that's good. Sometimes yeah, that's bad. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but luckily things are starting to ease down a bit. So we're oh. <laughs> very welcomed um and yeah just sort of pottering about really i've got i've got a um what did i get i've got one of those paddle boards you oh right have yeah tried those yet have you tried those no. never boards? tried no no no, no. no they're, <laughs> they're fucking well hard they're really difficult um and I'm, I'm in no way in sporting shape enough to do them but i went out on them yesterday and really hurt my knee so i'm actually just looking for a bit of sympathy at the moment oh, oh. there you are oh 
It's okay. It's okay. It's actually, that was, that was better than what I expected to get. <laughs> <laughs> did you, so over the lockdown then, um, Jimmy, did you find you had no work at all? Or? Well, I was very lucky because I did an episode of uh, The Spanish Princess right before lockdown happened. So I was very, very lucky. So I got, like, I got a nice little paycheck from that. And then the work just, again, just dried up because nothing mm. was open. Nothing was being filmed. No one knew what the situation was like in terms of... Um, insurance and things like that because you know for film companies the insurance is so high so with things like this it's just almost impossible to get insured but i was actually part of one of the first productions that did go back um last july because i filmed on this little known film called dune oh um, you did year yes. ago. so i went back to do some reshoots of that in july last year so that was good fun uh and then yeah then literally as the new year started work started picking up so i've just done an episode of uh a new series coming out called Slow Horses, um, which is starring Gary Oldman. I've got a very blink and you'll miss it part in that. And then I'm off to back to the West Country, to Bristol in about uh, three weeks time to start filming on this new HBO show called The Girl Before with uh, David uh, Oyelowo and Gugu Mbatha Raw. So I'm playing a mean, horrible bastard in that as well. So, ah. yeah, luckily the work has started picking up again, which is fantastic. Nice. Wow. So Very much. When it comes to, to June, um, how do you feel about the fact that it's going straight to streaming rather than going to the cinema? I'm not a huge fan, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I, think it's, um, I think it's a bit of a cop-out from the, uh, production, from the producers and the uh, dis- distributors. Because a film like Dune, you know, it's, for anyone who doesn't know what Dune is, it's like Star Wars, but for grown-ups. Um, it, was one of, it was one of the biggest, and I know some of you are huge Star Wars fans, <laughs> you big children. But, um, but it's, like, it's, like, it's like if Game of Thrones met Star Wars. Um, written by a guy um, called Frank Herbert. It's one of the biggest sci-fi novels. And they've tried to make films out of it for years and years and years. David Lynch did a version of it uh, that absolutely flopped. Um, <clears throat> and they've been trying to do it for years. And Denis Veneux, the guy who directed Blade Runner 2049, he wanted to make it. It was his childhood favourite book. Um, and so, you know, he managed, because of all the great films he done, he managed to get a really high budget for about $500 million dollars. For the whole production, which is huge. But if it doesn't go to cinemas, it's never going to make that money back. So then we won't mm-hmm. get to see maybe Dune Part Two or Dune Part mm. Three, you know. So it's all, and he's also filmed it and designed the film to be seen in cinemas. He's constructed that piece of art to be seen in a cinema. So I'm really hoping that people, I mean, another major problem is cinema tickets are so expensive these days. I really hope that, like, after this, we start levelling it out a bit, start making cinema tickets more affordable for everyone, and then hopefully more people will go and see it in the cinema as well. Mm. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it, and I definitely want to see it on the big screen. If I find out you've streamed it illegally, I'm going to be so <laughs> annoyed. I definitely won't. I haven't streamed the film all over. Apart from what's on Netflix and the other streaming services, yeah. I haven't paid for anything to be streamed. I to just be, I miss be, the cinema too much. Yeah, but to be yeah. fair, a lot of the HBO, because it's like HBO Max, I think, is coming on, isn't it? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of that stuff comes on Sky. Yeah. Like, like Zack Snyder's Justice League did exactly the same thing. It went on Sky Movies. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if we end up seeing it on Sky Movies. But I'm the same. A movie like that is so big that it needs to be seen on the big yeah. screen. Yeah. And it comes out on the it comes out on the streaming services the same day it comes out in the cinema. So if I'm honest with you, I think probably when it comes out by October, 
people are going to be a bit sick and tired of sitting at home watching things. Yeah. People probably want to get out and watch some more stuff. So I'm, I've got faith that it will do it will do okay. Mm. It will do well in the cinemas. I mean, it's going to be huge, and there's going to be so many fans from all over the world who have read the books. I think it's different because it's one of those classic novels that just has a cult following, a bit like this country. You know, mm. it has a cult following all over the globe. And uh, I think people will do it justice by going to see it in the, on the big screen. Yeah, and of course, this country had a budget of five hundred million dollars as well. So. <laughs> yeah. well. That was just that was just the day I was in. But uh... <laughs> we will get to that. We will get to that in regards to series three. But before we do that, we need to uh, just go through Colin's scores from last week. Um, the official scores. So Colin, Colin got range ended up being forty nine. Uh, Peeper only eighteen. Random Acts of Kindness, a healthy 68. Cockwomble, only 27. And Having a Laugh, just 28. So that was dear Colin, bless him. Not not much to say, but I think that's about right. He he was definitely a Random Act of Kindness. uh, Good score for that one. Right. So we're going on to Dan Walker. Um, Dan Greaves, Jimmy Walker. Oh, fucking, I even wrote it down here. Fucking Dan Walker. What You've got to learn how to read before you do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's too worried about these bees. Yeah. Dear listener, let me just tell you that I've had an um, infestation of two bees that keep buzzing around me. So if you happen to hear this, it's because I'm... I'm firing raid at them. And I know that bees are wonderful to save the planet and all, but I just can't stand the fuckers. So <laughs> yeah. for those of you who can't see it, who are listening at home, he's actually just spraying himself with deodorant. But... Yeah. I, I am. I am. Oh, Jimmy, oh, you know me too well. I you do. Know me That's too the problem. Well. That's the right. problem. It's Dan Greaves, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, let's not get it wrong again. It's Dan Greaves. Right. Uh, who wants to do their story first? Their, their backstory. I'll go first. I'll do mine first. Okay. Mine's, mine's only short, as my wife will testify. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've got that Dan has been infatuated with Kerry ever since infant school, and he's always written about her from afar, starting with his very first poem when he was nine years old, and it went like this. Roses are red, violets are blue, your name is Kerry, and my name is Dan. He wasn't, very good. he wasn't very good to start with. As he got older, he started to drift into limericks such as this. There is a young lady called Kerry who makes me feel sweaty and merry. I then get a hard on, a great big massive dong on. To stop it, I think of Mary Berry. Newt. Oh, my God. Do you know what? It's like, it's like listening to, you know, Oscar Wordsworth. Oscar Wilde. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, then, of course, he moved on to uh, longer forms of communication with his threatening letters. One of his best days was getting the job with Martin as he believed it was his chance to spend time closer to Kerry, the dirty little beggar. I, I mean, that's not far off. I don't think that's too far off. I, I, wasn't, I didn't realise that we all had to come up with a backstory. So I'm thinking that I'm definitely nicking some stuff from that. <laughs> okay, that's add cool. to my own. That's cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave yours to the end then, Jimmy. Just so, that, uh, just so that uh, you've got a bit more, um, a bit more material to uh, to nick from. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. Five, yeah. maybe. Right then, Neil, off you go. Okay, well, I've got Dan had lived in the village all of his life with his parents. While he was at primary school, he was very practical, good with his hands, but also showed a good talent for writing. At the age of 10, he was awarded a Blue Peter badge for his short stories. He left school when he could for an apprenticeship on the building sites. Dan carried on writing his short stories whilst training to build. 
dad managed to date a few ladies with his short stories of strength around the village, but found nothing except for one older lady that he dated who taught him how to cook and bake. Yeah. There we go. That sounds about right. He then became infatuated with Kerry and got to work with Martin to become closer to Kerry, which is what (laughs) Pav said. And that's where we find him today. I forgot about him being a master baker. He is. I yeah. forgot about he's a, that. He's a master baker, isn't oh, he? Yeah. He master bakes all over the place. He, he does. does. He does with his stonk on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, right then, Jimmy, just let us know if you've got any other bits that you can add to that. Well, I think I think those are pretty spot on. I haven't I haven't got anything written down. I just sort of generally feel the character. But um, yeah, I'd say Dan probably uh, has known yeah the Mucklow family since he was a youngun. Um, he probably showed a, a keen. Um, keen interest in building from a young age and woodwork and things like that. Maybe Martin took him under his wing, saw him like a bit of a son that he never had. Um, in terms of the strength stuff, I think, uh, I think his mother was probably captain of the women's rugby team. <laughs> and, uh, so there's definitely some sort of uh, issues going on there. I think he saw strong women as his, as his muse in his writings. Um, I think, uh, yeah, he, um, he probably yeah started writing uh, around sort of ten or eleven. Then he probably got uh, the letters were probably found by a teacher of some sort, and he was put in a special class, which is why he, um, they only done like two subjects, like woodwork and woodwork and uh, beauty, hair and beauty, or whatever. <laughs> I'm not saying they're special subjects. I'm just saying those were the only ones offered in the. Uh, Northfleet School. Yeah, or maybe yeah. May- maybe cookery, maybe maybe home cookery. economics. You know. Maybe cookery. I think the uh, I think yeah, the secret secret baking stuff was maybe only had three books when he was growing up, and one of them was a cookbook. Mm. Didn't come from a very uh, well-read household. Um, but uh, yeah, later on in life, he sort of he's definitely very sexually repressed in in his in his thoughts, and he he's, he gives the big bravado, wants to be like Martin, but in reality. Uh, the way I see it, and this was something we actually came up with on set as well, that Martin, uh, that uh, Dan Greaves is probably in love with Martin in some way. Or, or right, another. okay. Uh, and, but he doesn't know how to express that uh, and can't really come to terms with that. Um, and so he, the next best thing to Martin is Kerry. Um, so he's sort of testing out the waters on Kerry to see if she enjoys the uh, the strength stuff because... Because he knows uh, his his and Martin's relationship was a bit of a competition all the time. It's always a competition who can be best, and he always gets beaten by Martin. Uh, so I think, yeah, in a weird way, there's a whether it's a family love or whether it's a romantic love. We're, 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 that, I'll leave that to I'll leave that to the minds of the viewers. Yeah, but he's definitely something there uh, with Martin, and uh, and I think uh, yeah, I think I think later on in life he becomes to terms with it with his sexuality and the way he thinks and what he enjoys. And he becomes a much more open person. I hope to think mm. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to check now when I watch that episode, when you're, when Dan is with Martin, just to check he hasn't got a stonk on then. I know. Cause I, know. I think that, well, would, there's, that little, would... there's little hints, there's little hints, you know, mm. the shoulder, shoulder, the hand on the shoulder when they kick Kirsty off the thing, the little squeeze, yeah. the, uh, yeah, the, 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 when, whenever Martin gives him sort of praise, you see him light up and his, mm. face, his face beaming. So yeah, it's all it's all hidden there in some sense. Yeah, I think that's really good. Wow, uh, there you go. Yeah, who thought the show could get that deep? And it, I was going to say, yeah. I never, never realised Dan was such a layered character. That's the well, thing. You know, 
Four, four, almost, years, four years at drama school. I'm, I'm, I'm professional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you've turned this country into a Russell Davis production. <laughs> yeah, it's like talking heads, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So that's what I've come up with anyway. That's what I reckon. That's Love it. Wonderful. Right, Love we it. will get on now to work out Dan's actual scores. Um, and then we'll have a little bit of a chat about Series 3 as well, if that's okay. Sure thing. Um, with, uh, with you, Jimmy. Right, first of all, got range. How well do we think Dan can uh, do in a fight? Uh, we will go with Neil first. I've put 40. Okay. I thought he can be quite handy, but he's not an out-and-out fighter, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, yeah, what I can see, 40. Because he's got to be a bit submissive to like that strength stuff, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah, okay. so just a 40 there. Okay, I've gone 65. I originally did a, a, a lower score, but then I was reminded of, uh, we, we don't see much of Dan in Series 3, but what we do, he looks like a bit of a yob in Series 3. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> the, whereas in Series 2, he's he's quite sort of cuddly, you know? He's got <laughs> a bit of, bit of, bit of a, a cuddly to him. He looks like a right yob. In, from what we see in series three, and I think he he, I think he's more handy than Martin. Interesting, because because Martin Martin I think is all bravado. It's all if he ended up being squaring someone up, we just got to see with the fight with Curtin. Yeah. He, he doesn't actually fight him, and I don't think he can fight. But I think I think Dan's got a bit of something to him. Interesting. Uh, interesting. What do you think then, Jimmy? What's your score? Well, I've gone lower. I've gone 35, you see. Wow, okay. 35, because honestly, I think he's all talk. I think him and Martin are both all talk. They're all right in front of their mates, and they're all right with people that they know they can take the piss out of. Right. They know they can bully, like slugs or curtain. But I think when it comes down to it, he hasn't got much range at all. I think he's a scared, scared little man. Um, who's trying to make himself feel better by being with Martin and uh, being the being the cock of the walk in their own little world. That's what I thought anyway. And in terms of in the third series, the brief, brief viewing of, uh, of Dan Greaves, to be, I mean, this is going to break the whole illusion. But uh, when I got onto set, um, it was my haircut was too good for Dan Greaves, apparently. Oh, right. Deadly serious. I just got, I got my haircut about a week and a half, two weeks before, and it was looking fresh and uh they said no no sorry dan greaves would never look that good uh do you mind if we shave it all off i said yeah well that's 20 quid well spent um, <laughs> no worries no problem if you got to do, do what you got to do but if that adds it to the character yeah i think he he likes to think of himself as a as a tough guy but when it comes down to it it's a very small village in it north mm. so it's probably cock of the walk but if he went to cheltenham then he uh he probably wouldn't do too well Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, right then, Peeper. Um, we'll go for you first, Dan. What do you reckon? Right. Oh, fucking Jimmy. Jesus, Either wept. Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <sighs> Absolutely fucking, fine. Fucking bees. <laughs> <laughs> Spray more deodorant on yourself. <laughs> um, so for Peeper, I've gone right down the middle and gone 50. Okay, right. Because he's not much of a Peeper. He's not like he's not as bold as that. I don't think he's not as bold as the as Martin just sitting there outside people's windows having a wank. Um, <laughs> I think he's definitely uh, he's definitely pushing the limits by going up to Kerry's front door and posting the letter and including the stuff that he includes in it. But I don't peeper. 
I'd say that borderline's a bit. I don't think he's quite got to the level of peeping yet. <clears throat> right. Okay. Oh. Motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> Get him. Me. Hey, um, Jimmy, that's not deodorant. That's Febreze. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm just going to open the door. Bear with me a sec. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Christ. Who knew he'd be tormented so much? It's like watching the remake of The Wicker Man. That's exactly what this is like. <laughs> the bees! Not the bees! God, that film is shit. Oh, it wasn't just. Uh, right, Neil, what did you go for? Uh, 70. Because the fact, um, I, I think he has got that. Uh, well, maybe not so much peep him, but he's certainly got the kinky side. I mean, getting the stonk on while they read the letter in front of Kerry, it's got to be there, hasn't it? But a he bit. couldn't help it, could he? Oh, he's, <laughs> he's only human. He's not made of wood, is he? Yeah. Well, he was well, there. I was going to say, it looked like he was, yeah. <laughs> but I'd oh, love yeah. to know whether he actually carried on. We don't know, do we? He might have carried on. I'd yeah. like to think that in some way... In, in my mind, that Dan eventually wooed Kerry with the strength stuff and they became a an item yeah, in further on in the This Country universe. That's how they I like to think it. Well, Me? there were talks, there were possible talks of the ending of season two, episode two, the Threatening Letters episode, being that uh, after he gets kicked out, <clears throat> he ends up paying Mandy to beat him up. Oh, uh, really? Like a little side thing. We never came up with that, but, you know, if that's what you want to think, if you'd like that little nugget to be put in there, mm. he then goes to uh, Mandy and she takes all, uh, all of her range and her strength stuff on, out on, uh, on Dan Greaves. Oh, you're not going to be walking for a while after that, are you? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Not with those nunchucks. Well, really. I'm glad you said that because I've gone 75 for Peeper um, because, I, yeah, I just think he may not necessarily physically peep but I think his whole strength stuff, I think, is in the realms of, of a peeping category. He's a like. peeper in the making. He's yeah, it's, 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 yeah. what he does is a subcategory of peeping, I think. Yeah, I don't oh, think... He... I don't know about these subcategories, boys. I don't know. Well... I, think, I think either he peeps or he doesn't. I think... Uh... I think he'd have a look, wouldn't he? I well, think yeah. he's the sort of... Yeah, and I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if him and Martin have had a, you know, a conversation over a, a piece of Victoria Sponge where Martin will go, it's not that bad peeping, you know, you want to give it a try. Oh, definitely, you know? definitely. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I think he's... I think you're right. He's a peeper in the making. He is uh, yeah. next yeah. generation and peeper. Yeah, he's gonna t- he's gonna pass the talk. Martin's gonna pass the torch on to him. <laughs> yeah, pass <laughs> the tennis racket cover over to him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, random acts of kindness. Uh, Jimmy, you can go first with this one. See, I've got high on this one. I've gone high on this one. <laughs> let okay. me explain. Let me explain why. Um, so I've gone. I've gone seventy on random acts of kindness. Okay, because, you know. When he sent these letters, he meant them as a compliment. He didn't mean nothing bad by it, you know. So in, in a way, in his own little way, that's a random act of kindness that he's giving to Kerry. He's sitting there saying to her, you know, he, he, and he, he, uh, he gave Martin the, he gave uh, Curtin the advice on how to cook a, a good cake, how to bake a good cake. He didn't give him too hard of a forfeit. All he had to do was slap a drink out of that girl's hand. <laughs> um, and he, you know, and he came round. He got caught with the letters, but he's also round there to give uh, Curtin his recipe for the Victoria Sponge, which you know he really enjoyed. I think he's a. I, th- I think in his own little world, he's giving out random acts of kindness all day, every day. Okay, that's that's a very good, um, a very good argument. Mm-hmm. But I say boo sucks to that. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say forty five. Um, because 
he used is it he used that as an excuse when he went over that he got caught that he was going over there to get give Kurt and his um Victoria Sponge um recipe. Listen, I played the character, so what I say goes, <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't get to tell me yeah. what the backstory was. If I say he had the recipe in his pocket, he had that bloody recipe in his pocket, all right? All right, he had the <laughs> recipe in his pocket, but unfortunately <laughs> It, it looked like a stonk on. It was just a very big bit of paper, wasn't it? it that's was what it just was. Just a scroll. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, it. Scroll. Yeah. And also, you're saying that it is a random act of kindness that he get. You know, he gave those letters to to Kerry. He was getting off on those letters, so yeah. so he was getting off in the room while they were reading it. I'm not saying that they were selfless acts of kindness. <laughs> oh well. I'm just saying they were acts of kindness at random intervals. Okay. I don't, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> don't forget, okay. she didn't mind the strength stuff. Exactly. But exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's why I've given him 45. I think he's... All you know, right. That's he's, not as low as I thought. He has got a kind bone in his body. It's just that we see it all the time. That's the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Neil, what did you have? I'm sorry, I've gone lower. 35. Oh. You've got to remember, he broke Kirsty's mug as well. He did. He did. You know, that could have been Kirsty's favourite mug. We don't know. It's to teach him a lesson, though, you know. It was. It was. But I think, you know, Martin rubbing off on him, who, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, is going to take away the kindness that he may have had. You know, when he won his Blue Peter badge for writing the early stuff, that's gone out the window now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he he could have gone one way and he went the other. Yeah. yeah, he might more more likely be a subscriber to fifty plus or something. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah I don't see that much kindness. But like you said, he did have that recipe. Well, we assume he may have had the recipe in his thing. No, in his, I mean, wherever. I, yeah, I think you know, I think uh, I think he's a lost. I think he's a bit lost. Mm. You know, he's been he's misguided, got, isn't he? Yeah, he could misguided been him. Could have probably been mates with Curtin at school, yeah. you know, if he wanted to, gone down that road. Probably could have done a lot of things if he put his mind to it with the commitment that he's got and putting these letters through the boxes and writing them all out. I think he could have mm. uh, he could have done great things in his lifetime, but chose to go but under Martin's wing to go down the uh, the other road. But I think he's got some kindness in there. I don't think he's I don't think he's nasty. No, I think he's just he's a bit. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? He's a bit um, insecure. Right. A bit insecure. And so he and takes I, it. Yeah. I think he might be like a lot of people that if you take him away from Martin, he's a different person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think he would be a nicer person if he wasn't. By, but he also looks up to Martin. I think he'd mm. like to be like Martin. He idolizes, we think. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. And that's Do you think Martin knew about the letters? I think he probably encouraged him. Yeah, he probably <laughs> helped write them, yeah. yeah. He probably encouraged him. He probably enc- he said, yeah, do you know what? Start off small with the letters. Eventually, you'll be outside her bedroom window. You know? yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, do it, do it your own way. But as long as you, the final product is peeping, then, you know, knock yourself out. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe random acts of kindness at 70 might be a push. But, uh, but I, think, I think he has the potential. Right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, right, Cockwomble. Neil, what's your score for Cockwomble? Smack bang down the middle, 50. I had him, because they're hanging around with Martin, he's misguided. So his Cockwombleness comes from Martin, really. He seems pressured into doing it. So, you know, challenging Curtin to slap the drink out, the mug. Um, 
being the big I am on the building site to him is all down to Martin's influence, I think. And I, that's what I put before. Um, so, yeah, 50, smack bang down the middle. He can be changed. Mm. This, is, this is like one of my lectures at drama school. We're going so in-depth here. <laughs> this like, it's like we're talking about a Chekhov play or something. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm really glad that the three of us can, can delve into the depths of this character so, so eloquently. It's funny uh, you say that. Jimmy, because I was only saying, um, I can't remember, I think I must have been saying it to Neil, I would have thought, but when we went and had that breakfast after the live show, yeah. one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever had is when you was talking about Shakespeare and you was talking about how to do it and, and you know, how to get into the rhythm of it. And I find, I find that fascinating over a plate of like eggs and bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I guess with, like I said, I, I spent four years at drama school. We've gone over so many different things. I've done Shakespeare a hundred times, done all these different plays a hundred times. But you take these things, like Shakespeare always seems really daunting for people until you learn about it and you get a bit of education about it. And in reality, you know, the things that you learn about Shakespeare in terms of like how he talks, how the language is and what that means. Some people hate it. Some people love it. I love it because I feel like it's, you know, some of the stuff that Shakespeare talks about, you see in modern day dramas uh, all day, every day, the same themes going through it. And I think that you can take this approach, like any play, any TV script, any film script, any character, the same way you approach a Shakespeare play, you find out what the character's intentions are, what they're, you know, what they're trying to get out of other people, what they think about themselves, what they think about other people, what their end goal is, you know, and I'm, I'm rambling now, but I'm just <laughs> saying like, I, I, I try it. My, I, at least I give it my best shot to approach every single character I play with the same level of, of, of uh, the same level of respect and the same level of, um, of, of uh, wonder and being intrigued by these characters and trying to empathize. I try and take that into everything. So especially with Dan Greaves. Yeah. Because it was like, this character's an interesting character. He's not just one, he's not two dimensional. There's lots of angles going to him and it would be really boring to just play him to be the comic relief weirdo who just, you know, who just mm. writes these letters. So yeah, that's my idea of it anyway. So this is, in, it's funny. This is an interesting game. It's an interesting game playing this Top Gun. Awesome. It's, it's very, very much like what actors have to do. They have mm. to sit there and figure out where their character is in their own head. So, well done, boys. Well done. Uh, good. Okay. Well, well oh. since you're Shakespeare taught, you ought to see Pav's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> We've well, got it out now. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, that's what the spray is. <laughs> um, right then. So, Jimmy, what is your... Oh, I'm lighting a fag. I don't think you know oh, sorry. Okay, well, I'll, uh, 40. I've given him 40 for Cockwomble. So I've given him slightly less of a cockwomble than the random acts of kindness. Because I do. I think he's misguided. I think it's it's taken him away from uh, the shit house that is Martin Mucklow and he's a completely different person. And the only time we see him acting uh, cockwombly is like on the uh, on the building site next to next to Martin. Mm. So uh, I've given him a score of 40. Uh, so Jimmy, what's your score? I've gone straight down the middle again with 50. Right. Okay. On uh, on Cockwomble, I've gone 50 because he can be a bit of a douchebag. Don't get me wrong. Um probably more of a douchebag than a lot of people, but um Cockwomble, you know, if we're looking at it in the context of what being a Cockwomble is, I think I think he's got Cockwombly moments. 
but I wouldn't say he's a full-on cockwumble, you know? Mm. Right, that's cool. Right, having a laugh. Um, how much of a how much of a joker and how much of a laugh do we think uh, Dan is? Uh, we'll go with you first, Jimmy. Well, I've put because I've put eighty-five. Wow, because I reckon he's a right laugh. He's a uh, lot, no, but that might just that might just be me. That might <laughs> just be me. But um, no, I think I don't know. I think he's up for a laugh. I don't. I think he definitely doesn't. I think uh, I've put eighty-five because there's the fifteen percent where he's internally screaming. But on the outside, in the day-to-day life that he lives, he's all about the lads having a joke, having a bubble, pints down the keepers, listening to Martin's stories, cracking jokes all the time, uh, taking the piss out of people. So in mine and Dan's world, he's probably thinks he's almost as funny as Martin. And, you know, understands comedy he's, he's a comedy genius because he says take the jokes to me and i'll let you know if he finds them funny or not yeah so he's, a, he's 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 a modern day um sort of morecambe and wise um so yeah i think he's i think he's a laugh i think he's a laugh okay uh i've gone for 65 pretty much the same things as you just not uh not adding that extra 20% because I played the character, I think is the, <laughs> is, is the thing I'm going to give for that. But I do think you, I think you're right. I think on a night out, you can see when they're, when they're drinking their uh, Skittles and vodka, that he's really going for it. He's loving it. He's jumping up and down, having a whale of a time. Yeah. And I think he's one of those guys that if you're going out in a group, he's one of the guys that's going to be there. That's going to be giving everybody a laugh. So I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, Neil same as I'm 70 I've given him 70 I think he's a good laugh on the night you see it in the keepers when um, Curtin says let's get shots in Dan's up, um, yeah Dan's up for it Martin wasn't but Dan yeah definitely no, no I, think, uh, yeah. I think that's what Martin doesn't like really Dan's mm-hmm. still got his Dan's still got his youth yeah his, uh, his, his sort of vibrancy that Martin hasn't got because Martin's not in control of the fun in that scene, you know what I mean? Which yeah, I don't no. think he likes. Whereas I think Dan, you know, down to, down to, when it comes down to it, he's just a, he's up for a laugh of anyone. Uh, I think he gets a bit carried away in that one because he probably, he goes along more with Curtin in those sort of scenes. Mm. He does with Martin. I don't think Martin likes that at all. You know, the no. idea of not being top dog in any conversation or any joke, you know? Yeah. And Martin had his finger up his ass because of the big, bold, funny comment yeah. as well, didn't he? So he, he wasn't in a good place then, but I think, but then it also shows that that I think Dan would have been quite happy to stay there for the whole night. I think yeah. Dan would have found it funny, but he yeah. couldn't laugh at it. But he exactly. Laugh at that. And as soon as Martin goes, oh, should we go down the club? Oh, right, yeah. okay. And off, off, off they go. Yeah. And then Martin's probably explained to him why that wasn't funny. Yeah. And Dan's gone like, oh, right, yeah, no, I get it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Right, so we've got uh, Dan's scores. So these are the scores for Dan so far. Got range, 47. Nice. Peeper, 65. A nice, healthy score there. Fair play. <laughs> Random Act of Kindness, straight down the middle, 50. Uh, Cock Wombat, 47. And Having a Laugh, a nice, healthy 73. Oh, that's a good one. And I wouldn't that's be... so hard to have. That wouldn't surprise me if that is the, the top Having a Laugh score. I can't think of anybody else that's had a, a bigger... Laugh bigger laugh than that <laughs> so um right before we talk series three uh that is it it's over to our listeners now to give us their scores neil do you want to tell everybody how they can do that 
Yeah, absolutely. You can vote via all of our social media under hashtag this country pod. Also, while you're at it, give us a like and a follow. That would be well handy. Thank you very much. You can email it to us, WTAFthiscountry at hotmail.com. Likewise, if you've got any questions. And you can go to the website and vote at WTAFpodcast.com, where you can also get tickets to our last live show on November the 26th. Done like a professional. Right, now, series three. We need to know why you were only in that one scene because everybody, especially with what happened in series two, when I think when we were doing what we thought was going to happen in series three, we were expecting to see Dan and Kerry with a little baby. And (laughs) you know what I mean? We really thought that there was going to be like some kind of relationship. So was there a bigger part for you or is it just the way it was cut or well yeah so this is a controversial question really so i, I guess it's, it's just the way it was cut unfortunately um you know i the the whole scene that i came into film uh, they were thinking about bringing me back for a couple of different bits in series three that like they'd come up with a scene with me and martin and it gets scrapped and they come up with another scene with me and martin and it gets scrapped and and then after the football match um, that we all played, the charity football match, the This Country charity football match, um, they told me I'd be coming back for a scene. I wasn't sure, 100% sure what it would be. Um, but, yeah, so that scene is obviously Martin's moved back into the house. He's got the lads around. They're doing shots. They're having a right laugh. Um, and Martin's telling a story about getting his dick out at some party or something. Uh, and Kerry's trying to get in the kitchen and get some stuff done. It was a good fun scene, really raucous, really loud and rowdy. <clears throat> but I didn't find out that, uh, that they cut it down until I saw it, oh, uh, wow. unfortunately, which was a bit, which was a little bit sh- annoying for me because I was sort of a bit like, oh, right, okay. Um, and this is not me airing dirty laundry or anything like that. This is more just sitting there saying like, oh, I, I was looking forward to having the whole scene done. But obviously with time constraints and things like that, uh, they had to cut it down. Um, but yeah, like I didn't really actually, I didn't know about it until I was I sat down and watched it. I was a bit sort of not gutted, but just a bit like, oh, well, it would have been nice to see Dan doing shots off of uh, Martin's big bald head, you know, <laughs> doing, uh, doing, doing pint for pint with him. Um, but it was a really, it was really lovely to get back. And, and, and you know, I think, um, it, yeah, you, you know, you know what, uh, you know what Martin's like. Um you know what Paul Cooper's like. He's a life and soul of the party. Yeah. Uh, and so it was really great to work with him. And he got his mates, he got a couple of his mates in to be extras in the scenes as well. So that was good fun. Um, and, you know, and um, Daisy obviously has a big job on it as well because she's written it. So she's, she's got, a, she's almost like a run, like showrunner on the, on the show, making sure it's all going ahead. Uh, so she's got a lot of things going on at the time. So, uh, so it was, it was nice to see them all. It was nice to get back and, be mm. back in the house again. Be back in the infamous house. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a shame I, 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 uh, that they had to cut that scene. I don't know whether they're going to bring it out as like a as like a deleted scene or anything like that. I'll have to have a word with them. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it wasn't really my doing. It wasn't yeah. my doing at all. But, is that so. is that one of the trials of being an actor though? Is that you're 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 at the the mercy of the editor? Absolutely, one hundred percent. And it's like you know you can't be precious with these things. If things need to be cut, they need to be cut. Um, it is also just sort of like I don't know. For me, it was would have been uh, would have been nice to just get a quick email just saying like um, we've had to cut this scene unfortunately because it's that sort of how it works. I think it, I think it depends on how quickly a project is moving, how busy it is, 
Um, and also as an actor, you have to realise you're all, at the same time, as much as I'm sitting there saying it would have been nice to know about it beforehand, you're also not, you're also there to just do a job. You're not the most important part of the production. The most important thing is the finished product and making sure it's great for people to watch. So, yeah, I think it's twofold. It was, I was really happy to be back. It was a bit bittersweet. Nice to be back. Shame I couldn't have done more. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then let's hope in, when they do the uh, This Country reunion in 10 years' time, it will be Dan and Kerry and, like, three kids. and That'll be it. He's got his own little bureau that he can write his letters on. And... Yeah, <laughs> he's, right, he's running, the, running the women's competitive weightlifting club. Yeah. That's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I, think, yeah. I think I missed a trick there. Yeah, totally. Uh, but, uh, yes, yeah, I'm sure that'll be something that'll be happening. So what have you got? Is there anything that you've got coming up that you can tell us about? Or Well, like I said, we've got Dune coming out in October. Um, and yeah, a couple of things for HBO and Apple TV that I've just recently that I've been filming now and I'm going to be filming in the next few weeks. Um, you know, I'll pop it all over Twitter. If anyone doesn't follow me on Twitter, I'm uh, Jimmy Walker on Twitter. So you can find me. I'll update anything I'm doing or anything I'm part of uh, as part of that. And also, if anyone listening fancies, they can also get a personalised um, hello, happy birthday, funeral uh, speech, you know, um, if you hate someone, I'll tell them that you hate them. You know, <laughs> you can find all me and me and Paul Cooper are both doing that. He actually introduced him to it. It's quite a laugh, actually. I've had some very strange requests. Well, we um, shall. We'll put the link for that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to do that, they can just click on the link and get their own message from either Jimmy or Dan. I mean, whichever one you want. <laughs> your own, your own personal threatening letter, if you want it. Look at that. Nice. Look and, at that. Uh, Who else know, offers that? We know. know how good they are as well. <laughs> we know how good they are. Um, right. So just in closing, please remember to get your um, your scores to us on our email, Neil, which is again. It is WTF this country at hotmail.com. That's it. And if you want to become a Patreon peeper and help uh, support the podcast, just go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF. We have some wonderful rewards there. Um, and also exclusive content. Exclusive content just for you peepers. Mm. Indeed. And um, and go, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a lovely five-star rating and a review. That'll be wonderful. That gets more people finding out about our show, which in turn then gets more people finding out about this country, which is what we're here for. Uh, Jimmy, you've been an absolute pleasure to talk to you as always, mate. The pleasure is always mine, boys. It's always really lovely to see you both. And well done. Congratulations for everything you're doing with this. And yeah, good luck with the live show at the end of the year as well. Well, thank you. you. And uh, look after yourself. Please stay safe. I can't promise anything, but (laughs) (laughs) you'll be all right. You'll be immune if you stay on the red wine or Vinto. Sorry, Vinto. People at home don't know I'm drinking red wine. No, well, they do now. They do now. Elvino. Vinto. Indeed. Yeah. So thank you once again, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks, boys. Thanks, everybody else, and go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, 
pick a subject, then bring our own top tens to the pod. Yes. It could be top ten scary movies, top ten swear words, top ten breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The top ten of anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.